That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Bayern Munich completed a 100% record in this year's Champions League, beating PSG 1-0 on Sunday to secure their sixth Champions League trophy and a treble during a very unpredictable season. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Uh, We're here to talk about not just the Champions League final, but also the Europa League final and a couple of big uh, transfers for our two clubs. I was going to say, no Uh, mention of Sevilla in the intro? Like... Yeah, no, we'll, uh, we'll get to Sevilla in a minute. We're recording right off the back of uh, a very entertaining Champions League final. Not the yeah. goal fest that we thought it was going to be, but I mean, I, I didn't get the complaints from the commentators and the people at halftime talking about how, uh, you know, it's oh, it's too bad there haven't been goals in this one. I was very entertained by the whole thing. You know, the, the chess match that was going on, I don't want to say it was predictable, but it, it kind of played out how we thought it might with, you know, Bayern trying to, you know, still play their same possession style. Um, but in the end, uh, kind of having to be forced to have their wing backs or their, their fullbacks sit a little bit deeper than they have been during this tournament uh, due to the fact of PSG's uh, ability on the counter. And, you know, they eventually their patience pays off and Kimmich gets forward to set up the winner. But it was a very, very even game. Could have gone either way. Could have been a goal fest like we, we mentioned. But it ends up 1-0 Bayern. And I think Bayern were the, the deserved winners. I thought they were just about by a smidge the better team. Uh, what, what do you think of the game? I know that we both thought like this is this was going to be a goal fest and it easily could have been like in the first half. I mean, it could have been like 2-2 at the end of that half. There were chances, penalty shouts like sure. I mean, Mbappe probably had a, a good he could have had like a hat trick if he'd you know been a better finisher that day. He seemed like everything was being saved by Neuer. Um, for me, he was my man of the match. I thought his distribution was phenomenal. Um, he had that one play where he um, Neymar played a ball over the top to Mbappe, and Mbappe would have been in like 20 yards of space, but um, Neuer was 30 or 40 yards from his goal and was easily able to clear it. And I think just plays like that, um, his passing out the back was immaculate, and um, you know he made like three or four kick saves, that one double save in the, in, in the first half. Uh, I just thought he was immense today, and you know, he, I, for me, that type of performance puts him as you know Germany's number one again, and you know, in that conversation of the top, t- you know, top one or two goalkeepers in the world. So, also, we got to mention, I think for for PSG, uh, I was pretty disappointed with Mbappe and Neymar. Um, Mbappe did get a lot of good chances and was in a lot of good positions, but his finishing was awful. And then I thought Neymar just, you know, uh, I, I know that. Byron were you know had two men on him pretty much at all times, but it was a little bit disappointing that Neymar didn't really get any opportunities or you know wasn't wasn't his usual flair self going by players. And well, yeah, he, had, he had the opportunity, the double save that you talked about on on the. Uh, oh, that's fair. He that's that fair. One. Yeah, he should have scored that one. You're right. Mbappe but I thought, probably had like the the worst misses to be honest, like the, yeah, the one did. miss that the, the picture I sent you of basically from ten yards out inside. It was the the Herrera cutback to him on the penalty spot. Yeah, I mean, you look at the still shot of when he's about to... I, I don't even know if he actually shot that. He might have, and he put it straight at Neuer. But that kind of summed up, like, 
what I thought of Neuer's performance, like good, like very good positioning, made the saves when he had to. But at the same time, I, I chalked it more down to poor finishing by Mbappe and Neymar more so than um, and then eventually Marquinhos in the second half more so than, you know, crazy saves made consistently by Neuer. Bayern had control of the game in possession for most of it. You know, PSG tried themselves uh, a bit, and I thought uh, Marquinhos, Thiago Silva, and uh, Kimpembe, and then a little bit of Paredes, they were all great in uh, in build-up and obviously in, in in defending Bayern as well. But I thought Herrera um, for me was, he was my man of the match for PSG, at least. I thought he was pretty brilliant the entire game. You know, he was he was really good on offense. He was also back defending in the box. And honestly, at halftime, I thought PSG could go on and win that game. But I think, like you said, I think Bayern, Bayern probably outplayed them just a little bit in the second half and, and probably in the end, just on the overall run of play. And just overall in this Champions League overall, you know, who their opponents were, how emphatically they got their wins. I, I feel like Bayern probably just slightly deserved more than PSG this final and you know, I, I thought it was a little bit harsh that, you know, PSG didn't get a goal during regular time. I kind of felt like a 1-1 going into extra time. I mean, I also wanted that it's because fault. it, it really was such a good game. Fault. Yeah, it was such a good game. I know that people, it was only one goal, but it was such a good game that, uh, you know, I would have loved for another 30 minutes of that. And um, I think that PSG don't have to be too, you know, I think they can be pretty proud of their performance versus an, an extremely good Byron side who... Um, also, just it's so impressive how they, you know, in a couple of years they've had to replace Arian Robin, Frank Ribéry, you know, Philip Lahm a few years back, and so many of their big players went were aging, um, and they've just kind of completely changed the team. And now they have young players like Davies, Kimmich, you know, Goretzka, uh, Komen, Gnabry, and Sane just, coming in next year. Yeah, Sane coming in next year. Like they, they've got a young team. This team's going to be around for a while, and they're going to be scary for a long time. You, you know, you can see this team getting, getting to this Champions League final. You know, two, three, four more times in the next uh, seven or eight years. So, very, very uh, good job from Bayern. I thought they were deserved winners in the end, and you know, it was, uh, it was, it was a great final. It was a very, very fun final. I think, I think a little bit of an asterisk on the winners this year because they only had to play 12 games to get to the final when it's, I think, a usual 16. Um, so it wasn't uh, quite as difficult of a road. And so Bayern having that 100% record, don't know if they would have been able to do that if there was home and away ties in all of their matches. But still, uh, you know, props to Bayern because they, they were able halfway. to... I'll meet you halfway and say that there's an asterisk on the 100% record, but I don't think there's an asterisk on this Champions League. No, I think, I think Bayern, they were deserved Bayern winners, are the yeah. one team that you, you know, everyone after, I think it was after the Chelsea drubbing and then definitely after the the Barcelona one. But I, I think I said it on the pod after they beat us. I was just like, I mean, Bayern have to be the favorites now. Like, they're the team playing best. They, they don't seem to be affected by whether they're playing a lot of games or whether they're not playing any games. They're just so uh, settled in their system and everyone knows their jobs. So I, I wouldn't put an asterisk on the, the Champions League win for them. I, maybe maybe on that 100% record, I would agree with you there. But the uh, the, the big change in either team, I thought, uh, that you mentioned, I guess, uh, a couple minutes ago was Kingsley Coman getting the start uh, against his former team, PSG, the club that he came up through their academy, won a league yeah, title with them. Bo- both of us were kind of he questioning that in the first half. Yeah, we were like, oh, you know, maybe Paris should have started. Um, well, that's who they've played, he, and he's been very yeah. good, working hard to get up and down that wing. and Definitely proved us provide, wrong. 
Like, even though Perisic is right-footed like Coman and likes to cut in and shoot on his right, he's also very comfortable just, you know, getting onto his weaker foot and just putting it into an area, a dangerous area across goal. And I thought that was something they kind of missed because Davies was a little preoccupied trying to sit a little bit deeper and, and, and contain that, that PSG front line. Um, but, you know, Coman, uh, he had good moments and bad moments and obviously uh, it paid off his manager and his manager's confidence by uh, getting the winner. I, I can't remember the, the last time I saw Coman score a headed goal, but Kimmich put it on an absolute plate for him and all he had to do was just put it back across goal. And it was a great finish in the end. I, I don't know if I would... I, I think you told me before we started recording that Coman won man of the match officially for the game. I don't know he if did. I would agree yeah. with that. I personally would have picked Kimmich because I thought he was the best player offensively and defensively on, on, on either team uh, in this game. And I thought he handled his duties down that right uh, wing for for Bayern very well, whether they put Neymar there, Mbappe, or Di Maria. They were trying everything. And I think the one time he really seemed like he was a little stretched was when uh, they uh, he maybe should have given away that penalty to Mbappe. But, you know, that was after about, like, 65 or 70 minutes of the game. You know, he's been, they were already up 1-0. He's, he's been running up and down that wing, actually uh, joining attacks while Davies sat a little bit deeper. And, you know, that's one small moment that, you know, he ends up not paying for. But other than that, I didn't think he put a foot wrong. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And I was going to go as far to say that, to me, he might be one of the only players in the world, either him or Messi, that you could make a realistic argument for being the best player in multiple positions in the world, right back and center midfield. He can play both effortlessly and he can play either while playing technically or starting in the team sheet as a midfielder or a right back. He's, he's just so a, intelligent in the way he did his position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Crazy. And we were making that joke when Kimmich was like slowly being incorporated into the team by past managers while Lam was sort of being phased out. And now he's he's fully there, and he's. Well, I think it's pretty telling. Uh, Guardiola, I think when Guardiola was was one of the last years as managers, I think he brought Kimmich in. He was the one who bought Kimmich, and he said that, you know, he said this about a few players before, but he you know he was like, if I could have a, a team of you know eleven Joshua Kimmich, I would, you know, and and just the way that he speaks so highly of him in interviews, uh, calls him just you know, one of the best players he's ever seen. And he predicted him to be, you know, one of the best players in the world at his position and just overall. So uh, Pep Guardiola, you could tell that, you know, there's a, there's multiple interviews of him when he was on Bayern Munich and he seemed so passionate when he was talking about Joshua Kimmich coming into the team. And, you know, you know it was like he had this rough diamond in his hand and he knew that this guy was going to become like a fucking polished god later on. And I don't know, it's so impressive to me that Guardiola could tell so early on um, how good of a player Kimmich was going to become. And now he's, you know, a leader, one of the best players on Bayern Munich and in the world. So I agree. For me, it, it was between Neuer and Kimmich, man of the match. I think just because Komen got the goal, everyone gave him man of the match. It's kind of usually what happens. Um, basic football fans. Yeah, basic football fans. I mean, it was the same with, I, I remember like Obama Yang in like, in like the semifinals and in the final, pretty sure he got man of the match because he got the goals in those FA Cups. But like, I remember like both of us being like they were better players than him. But just because sure. he like got the finishes, you know, that people people gave always give the the goal scorer the man of the match. So I think for PSG, but, I think. Do I you think mind most, if I just hit on yeah. Kimmich one more time, real sure. quick, before we before we move on? So there's a t- ton of rumors going around that there have been for a while that Thiago uh, Alcantara is about to leave Bayern Munich for Liverpool, and. Apparently I mean, we're, Kimmich, we're coming in last second trying to convince him to come to Arsenal. 
Okay. Come on, Tiago. Come over. Come on. Good. Good luck with that. You'll, um, you're guaranteed but, to start with us. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You can give him that. Well, with that rumor, <laughs> with that rumor, also goes hand in hand that um, apparently Liverpool will be selling Wijnaldum to Barcelona. I know that like Komen, every yeah, Dutch player is now linked to Barcelona, out, but so. that would be a, a a good replacement. But they would definitely lose a lot in Wijnaldum if if he left. So. But if Thiago leaves, he's definitely been a—I mean—a huge player for this PSG or to, sorry, this Bayern Munich team. Uh, you brought up before we started recording that he was the one who fizzed that ball into uh, Kimmich before he, you know, looped it to the back post. And he's even made strides uh, defensively so that they can play him as a defensive midfielder alongside Goretzka and let Goretzka go forward. Honestly, the reason in this I final? wouldn't be worried about Thiago leaving is because of Kimmich, which is why I was going to wrap it back around. Because I feel like Kimmich has all of that ability that Thiago kind of has. Maybe not in the passing, like tempo side of things of keeping uh, possession and like maintaining tempo, but he can learn that with a little bit more experience. But you know, Thiago, that will be. Somewhat of a miss for Bayern Munich, but I think Kimmich makes up for it just as easily, and they can slot Pavard in at right back. What I was going to say is probably my third man of the match for Bayern Munich was Thiago, who quietly during this game, um, I did not see him lose possession once. Um, pretty much every time he had the ball, he was either making, you know, getting getting his team out of pressure from the press or, you know, moving play forward. And he was immaculate in his passing. His He was making tackles. And I don't know. Um, Barcelona lost a hell of a player when they they let him go. I mean, he wanted to stay at Barcelona and they sold him. So, you know, you'd imagine that Barcelona have had a lot of problems in the midfield since he left. And, you know, it's it's telling that number one Bayern beat them eight two, and that Barcelona have had so many problems since he left because, you know, he, I think if they had kept him, they could have really built their team around him in the midfield. And you know, around, obviously I'm around Messi too, but I think you know. That, that type of player is just so invaluable. Just having that ball progression player, that guy who's never gonna never gonna be pressed off the ball, um, can always find a, a a player who's open and try to get your team you know out of a press. Is there's not gonna, many players in the world who can do that. So I'm gonna defend Barca for one second because I, I mean I've heard this kind of argument plenty of times for Chelsea when we've lost players. It's easy to look back in hindsight and be like, yeah, they should have kept that player. He was excellent. But there are all kinds of you know, in the moment scenarios that play a factor in letting a player like that leave. And I, I think I think it was around 2013 or 14. It was kind of a long time ago that Thiago left. Uh, and the main reason was because, you know, they were Barca were still consistently competing for the Champions League with a, a Busquets, Iniesta, Xavi midfield. And yes, you should argue they should have the foresight to convince Thiago they're going to be retiring soon. But you know, uh, I think in Iniesta and Busquets's case, they've kind they kind of held on at Barcelona for a little bit longer than they maybe should have, and Xavi retired kind of soon after. So maybe they should have incorporated Thiago in in uh, Xavi's spot. But they they let him go, and he's gone off and won plenty of titles with Bayern and and been an absolutely amazing player. So that he'll be a really interesting addition for Liverpool because they don't have anyone they don't have anyone like him, and they haven't had a player like him since Xavi Alonso was there. So uh, that'll be a very interesting. Uh, development for Liverpool to see how their their team and their tactics kind of uh, adjust with him in the midfield. Anything else to hit on in this uh, Champions League? Final? Yeah, I just wanted to big, talk big a little picture? bit, a little bit more about PSG. Just that they, um, I think they were still missing a little bit defensively. I thought um, Kempembe had a had a really good game. Thiago Silva had yeah. a pretty good game too. Um, but I thought Bernat and Carrera were a little bit 
little bit weaker. Um, I think they really got to go out and find a real right back. I think Carrera's more of a natural center back, even though he's he's done well to pl- playing at right back. Um, it's kind of, it's been a little bit makeshift. And then I'm not not a huge Bernat fan. Um, I, I know that he's like pretty quick and and good offensively. Kind of reminds me of Jordy, like a like a poor man's Jordy Alba. But he's just been, diff- he's been very good though. Like even today, he did very well. Carrera, I can understand he was kind of getting picked on, but. Alba looked like he was doing a good job on Nabry for most of the game. Right. And then I was going to say, like, in the midfield, like, I know that they had, like, Paredes and Idris Gay was injured for this game. Varathi was on the bench. I think they need to find, like, you know, another one or two players in that midfield to um, to really take them to the next level. Um, someone like, I don't know, like, like Goretzka or like Thiago, like, funny enough, calling, you know, the, both, I think both of Byron's midfielders are, are better than well, that's anyone. supposed that, to be Verratti and Draxler, and they were both... You know, sure. Either both on sure. the bench. Yeah, Draxler. I don't know what's really happened to him. It seems like he's kind of fallen off and and not not really found his place at PSG. He's the new um, Javier Pastore. Right, and uh, obviously, I think uh, they need a they need to tie down Mbappe to a, to a new deal if they can and and try to keep him for a few more years because I think with just Neymar they're they're not winning the Champions League. I think they need to keep those two players and I'm sure that they might be able to convince them by being like look we just got to a final like we're just that one more step. I think this should be enough for Tuchel to keep his job. I know that like it's kind of like a given for them to win the treble every year in France. Um but I feel like getting to the final it should they shouldn't fire Tuchel for this, you know. They should give him another year or two and um, I think he has improved this PSG side, made them a little bit more resilient, better defensively, and I think they're on the right track. I just think that they need to improve in a few more areas, and, and I think they can be back here soon. I actually don't think so. I don't think you're seeing PSG, or at least this iteration of PSG, in the Champions League final anytime soon. Uh, I think they were one of the teams that really took advantage of the single elimination format. They had the easy side of the bracket, and they took advantage of it. So fair play to them. They beat who they were supposed to beat. Uh, they didn't get the toughest matchup out of that side of the bracket uh, in Atletico Madrid because Atletico choked away against uh, RB Leipzig, but that would have been a real test of their ability to break down like a strong defensive low block. Um, but then they, uh, you know, they had the chance with almost perfect circumstances against Bayern Munich. You know, one game playoff in the final, Bayern trying to play possession football and all the space in the world to get in behind them and and score one of the multiple chances they created, and they choked. They weren't good enough on the night. And I think over two legs they're, uh, in, in the future, in future years, they're not going to have as easy of a, of a run to the final as they have this year. And uh, when they have those two legs against sides like like this, like Bayern Munich, or in the future if they, if they play Liverpool in two legs, or uh, even Manchester City or someone, uh, it, it's going to be much more difficult for them to sort of uh, keep this up and keep going uh, going back to the Champions League final. Also, I think Mbappe has one year on his deal left. I mean, they, they, they kind of sound like they're treating him the way Barcelona treat Messi. Like, we'll convince him to stay. We're not, like, he's not going to leave and we're not going to sell him. We'll just convince him to stay. But Mbappe is 21 years old. He's got his whole career ahead of him and he's been at PSG for what, like two or three years now? He's already won the league before with Monaco, and so you know a couple more League One titles doesn't really do much for him. I don't know where he's going to go. There's been plenty of people linking him with Real Madrid. I wouldn't be surprised if Barcelona kind of abandoned their Neymar hopes and instead moved on to him. Um, but you know, I don't think he's going to be at PSG for much longer. And you know, same kind of applies to Neymar. So never mind keeping one of them. They need to try. 
or never mind keeping two of them they need to be like hopeful to try and keep one of them and that one should be uh mbappe they should put all of their focus into convincing him that this is the start of something not not the peak of something that's uh, about to come to an end but yeah that's, de- that's definitely one to keep an eye on um did you get to watch the europa league final on friday night that kind of ended up being like the more high scoring yeah, entertaining no, game I- I did. I thought it was a, a great Europa League final and was super entertaining for any neutrals. And, kind of, you know, I was a little pissed that I got both both picks wrong. You know, I picked Inter Milan and PSG to win. But, I mean, in the back of my mind, I, I knew Bayern were favorites. And I was just trying to trying to be the protagonist there. But I really did think that Inter Milan were going to win. And honestly, on the day, I feel like Sevilla just, you know, they, they deserve to win. They were, they've been there so many times before. You know, they had a lot of chances. They played possession and... It seemed like Inter Milan kind of ran out of gas in that second half, and I know they had that one really good chance where Alexis Sanchez, like uh, Alexis Sanchez's shot, was cleared off the line. But other than that, yeah, I mean they they didn't really do that much in that second half, even though that the first half was so phonetic, and both teams could have easily had like three or four goals, and it was, it was crazy first half. You know, Luke De Jong I think hadn't scored uh, in like seven he'd or scored, eight. He'd scored in the Europa League. No, I know, but he it, it, before that goal, he hadn't scored in like 12 games or something, and for him to get, now get these three goals in a semifinal yeah. and then in a final, um, you know, good for him. Seems like he's back. I'm sure he'll be back in the good graces of he Sevilla. Had a, he had a really slow start to uh, life at Sevilla when he signed to the start of the season. He did, he did. And, uh, you know, Lukaku, this, Lukaku's the first player in a European final to get to score a goal on both ends. Um, that's an interesting really? little yeah. No one's ever scored and then also gotten an own goal that's um, such in a, a European Lukaku final. Stat. So uh, <laughs> and you know Lukaku right. And I thought that that was um, that bicycle kick was going wide. Lukaku did not have yeah, to fucking stick his goal. foot in there. So uh, but you, there's no way to know that. Definitely know? like a bitter yeah. Definitely a bitter taste though for for Inter because I'm sure they thought like they deserved more than that from that game and. I think if if Inter win that Europa final, like Antonio Conte probably keeps his job. But there's a lot of rumors of Conte leaving now, and of players being unhappy, and of this transfer window not going how he wants, and all this and that. So, so I want to get to that like eventually. But for the game itself, um, I don't think I mentioned at the beginning, but Sevilla won the Europa League three two on Friday night. Uh, there were four goals in the first uh, 36 minutes of the game. Inter going ahead. Uh, in the sixth minute, fifth minute, uh, with the Lukaku penalty. And frankly, it was a huge moment in the game where Sevilla center back uh, Diego Carlos uh, brought down Lukaku. He, honestly, I think he I think he did a studs-up challenge or cleated him right in the back of the, the, the ankle and probably should have been sent off. But instead, he was given a yellow card, allowed to play on. Uh, you know, Inter scored the penalty, so, you know, it wasn't all bad for Inter, but... I think in hindsight, Inter's fans and you know everyone involved with the club is looking at that moment like we have the chance to go up one, and their player should have been sent off, their center back, the center back who eventually has the overhead kick. The commentator was talking about like double jeopardy or whatever. How like you're not supposed to be sent off if they give a penalty. I think that's why Espelicueta was also not sent off in that FA Cup final is because I think they they changed the rule. I think this last season that if even if you are the last man, if they give a penalty, you're not supposed to get like a red card because it's too like debilitating to get red carded and a penalty. Um, but if you are the last man and it wasn't a penalty, then they you get red carded. So I think the rule on that has changed because the commentator was talking about that. Well, someone needs to tell some of the Premier League referees because uh, David Luiz has still been getting sent off for those 
along with penalties. I, I think we can both think of like three times this season that he brought a player down in the box, gave away a penalty, and got sent off in the process. So there needs to be a more universal uh, rule applied that because that 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 seemed that one on Lukaku seemed worse because it was started outside the box, kind of similar to the Aspilicueta Aubameyang uh, penalty in the FA Cup final. Right, the but he did clean it into right. the box. Uh, so it was already a foul for the last man and already a yellow card. And then he finishes it off by bringing his left uh, boot down on Lukaku's left ankle. Tried to like argue like it wasn't a foul. And I was just like, there was also like- no attempt to play the ball <laughs> right. whatsoever. He was just having a panic attack at this also, giant 6'3 Lukaku bullying him off the ball and getting in behind. Also, don't you know, don't you know that. You should just Lukaku let Lukaku like fucking take that chance because he misses that right. more than half the fucking time. Like he, Lukaku he missed, literally he had like two. More, I was about to say he yeah. had two more like open one v ones where he just like either put it at the keeper or, like put it wide. And like if you're Diego Carlos, you, you just fucking let Lukaku have that man. Like have you never seen this man play? Like I know that he's been like banging in goals this year and this has been his best statistical season since you know his Everton days, but. I don't know. I, I I was like I was kind of chuckling when I saw that, and I was just like, you, you just let Lukaku do that, man. You just you just let him have the one v one, and he beat you. You don't take him down there and, and give them a penalty. So he he did get pretty lucky not to get red carded. I think the final would have just been over if they were down one nil and, and and a red card. Yeah, it would have completely. I thought the uh, Sevilla negated. keeper played really well though. He was. Uh, uh, Buono, I thought he made. Buono yeah. Well? It was yeah, the first time that I think he's really young, and you know they let go of Sergio Rico. To PSG, I think last season, and no, they they loaned Sergio Rico to PSG. Oh, He's okay. coming back from loan, and uh, gotcha. Buono went back to Girona on loan. So, I mean, I don't know if they plan to sign him permanently, but you know, he deserved he deserves it because you know they just won the Europa League with him. Sevilla were very impressive. I want to give a shout out to Julen Lopetegui. I, I've never been like his biggest fan, but at the same time, I feel like a, a very small smidge of retribution for him because. I thought he was doing a great job as the Spain manager two years ago going into that World Cup. And then uh, the head of the Spanish FA had a hissy fit when he found out uh, Lopetegui was, you know, in talks with Real Madrid to take over there after the World Cup. And he sacked him two days before the World Cup started. And, you know, Spain's whole bid to win that World Cup completely fell apart. I mean, I'm not saying that they absolutely would have won it if he'd stayed uh, in charge there. But, you know, firing him two days before the tournament over something as, you know, small time as that. You know, that's just the modern game. Managers are looking for the next opportunity to take advantage of what they are doing currently all the time. And you think Spain is the be-all, end-all of management. I I, I just think it's a tiny bit of uh, retribution for Lopetegui. He's had uh, plenty of bad stops in club football before this at Real Madrid, that job he eventually took, and then uh, before that for Porto. Uh, he was fired within the first six months at both. He was doing so well in Spain, though. I think that like kind of cursed his Real Madrid because it's just how badly that whole like thing went down of Spain being god awful after he left. And but you know, again, uh, that points blame towards him. And I don't think he was in the wrong at all for interviewing with Real Madrid while he was Spain manager. I don't think that I don't like. He's obviously focused on the World Cup, but when your agent comes to you and says, "Hey, we've had contact with Real Madrid." I don't think there's anything wrong with you as a manager saying, yeah, yeah, go and talk to them. And, you know, it's I think it's more on the Spanish FA for being immature about it and thinking like, how dare you like allow your agent to talk to Real Madrid before the World Cup? You should be focusing on the World Cup, like grow, grow the fuck up. Like Spain missed out on a very good chance to win a World Cup because of that. 
So uh, Antonio Antonio Conte seems to have his. Uh, still can't win a European final. Still uh, he can't win as a European Cup final as a player or a manager. He had right. three he losses in Champions League <laughs> finals as a player, and now one loss in a Europa League final as a manager. Uh, so yeah, he, he very much did not get the monkey off of his back. He got into an argument with Ever Benega in the first half, where Benega asked him if he was wearing a, a wig. <laughs> he asked him if he could take his it's wig off, brilliant. and Conte, yeah. Conte replied by asking if he wanted to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would, I would love to watch that fight. That'd be a great fight. It was Ever Benega's last game for Sevilla. He's kind of an underrated, uh, you know, Europe, I think European football legend. He's like thirty-one legend. or thirty-two. So yeah, he's going out to Al Shabab. Oh, uh, he is. Okay, I was so, going to say, like, I remember there were rumors of him for Arsenal a couple years ago when, when when Unai Emery signed, um, and obviously he probably would have been pretty good for us for a couple of years, but um, in retrospect, like, I'm glad he didn't sign because, you know, he probably, this was probably, he was still very good in this game and, and was very good during this Europa League run and for Sevilla to finish in fourth place. So, you know, to be fair to him, he's still a pretty decent player. But yeah, no, he's had a great career. Obviously, he has not achieved for Argentina like what he should have and um, you know it feels like this 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 World Cup in Qatar is going to be the the last hurrah for Argentina with Lionel Messi you know if they if they're ever going to win something you know they got to get they got first of all they got to get Martinez you know they got to get him as their starting okay. goalkeeper once uh, once he's in there they're going to have an iron wall they're going to be probably be favorites to win they're going to have the best goalkeeper in the world in their back line and you know to, from to there they can back around they can, to Arsenal yeah, they can they can they can win it. Well, I want to loop it back around to Arsenal too. Ah. Weird, weird aside, Ever Benega is kind of like what I think the best version of Lucas Torreira is. Okay, you know, like Lucas like Torreira it. in the next like couple it. of years, like he can become that kind of player. I don't think if he has the size of Benega, but he's he, there's, Benega there's, can do a little bit of everything, and he's got a lot of grit and toughness to his game and leadership qualities. There's been rumors of us, um, a lot of rumors for for Thomas Partey, where Athletic are willing to let him go, but they want they want the 50 million euros of his release clause. Um, then there's you know been recently rumors of of Hasim Oar, who I know Manchester City want him, Manchester United want him, so I think it's gonna be really difficult for us to get him. But we've offered, um, you know, there's been concrete. Proof that we've offered Guendouzi and money for for him and Leon haven't said no yet. So always a good sign. Um, We're like, hey, can you please oh, take this player, please? Right. No, I know we we take do joke about that, but but um, and then finally, um, you know, apparently we're, we're coming in last minute for Tiago, and I, I like that. You know, these are players that we're not normally linked with, um, but I like that we're going in for some of these players because these are all players that I would love to see on Arsenal that would absolutely improve us. And um, I would not mind if a player like Lucas Torreira, who hasn't really lived up to his expectations, if we could get something like, you know, 30 million for him, uh, a little bit more than what we paid for him initially. Um, from Sampdoria, if you know, uh, there's rumors of uh, Gazidis at Milan. The the you know he signed him for Arsenal, and apparently he wants him at Milan. And he's had two you know, managers that, in two years at Arsenal. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I would I would give him another year. I don't think we should sell him. Um, but if if he did finance a move for one of those three players, then I would sure. be I would be fine with letting him go. But well, we're, yeah, we're kind of no, getting into the transfer uh, talk anyway. We are. We are. So so maybe let's. Yeah. The, the, well, uh, let's we, we, stay with Arsenal. Uh, there looks to be a transfer that is as close to official as you can possibly, uh, you know, tease. But Fabrizio, yeah, Fabrizio Romano, Romano yeah. confirmed that Gabriel, the left-footed center, he back said, "Here from, we go." He said, "Well, that's 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 the give, that's the the one that gives it away." As soon as he puts "Here we go," it's it's a done deal. 
But Gabriel from Lille, uh, the Brazilian center back, is uh, rumored, almost certain, to sign for Arsenal on uh, a 30 million euro deal. We played against Lille, Chelsea played against Lille twice in the Champions League last season. I was not really impressed with anyone in their team. Uh, maybe Osimen a little bit and Ikone. And there's been a, a flurry of players in Lille's team from last year that we've seen rumored uh, with big moves to other big clubs. Gabriel's been one of them. And uh, Bubakar Samare, uh, the midfielder, has been another one that everyone seems to think are, are guaranteed uh, to be good players. I'm not completely certain on Gabriel yet, but um, you, you've been telling me that his, his passing numbers in Ligue 1 have been uh, very good and that uh, pairing him with Saliba is something that Arsenal fans are all kind of looking forward to. Uh, is is that going to be yeah. like the, the, the starting first, center back duo, like right from the jump? Or? Yeah, I was going to say, for, first of all, I mean, the fact that we're spending 60 million, you know, two thirty million million euro players um, on two center backs is, is kind of unheard of for Arsenal. You know, we haven't gone out and done something like that in a really long time. So I'm happy that, you know, we're going to have two new center backs. That probably means we're going to have to move on a couple of our center backs this window. I am a little bit concerned that we haven't almost had any rumors of any of our players leaving. There hasn't really been any concrete bids or, um, you know, anyone really coming in for, for, for I think El Neni's coming back on loan from Turkey. Um, I, I do, Mkhitaryan did go to Roma on a free, so we did get rid of him. But It's kind of um, hard to sell players when none of them are playing that well. Yeah, I mean, apparently Napoli uh, Napoli asked us for Papa, but they don't want to pay any money for him. They're asking us to just release him from his contract so that he can come to. And Papa's willing to like not take any money, but just wants us to release. I'm like, no, like we should get like you know five or five or eight million for him. Like fuck, just selling him for free. But apparently the Italian clubs are all like in deep despair and with almost no money, and they're all trying to do swap deals for their players. And apparently COVID hit them really hard, so. I don't think selling players to the Italian market is going to be very profitable this window. It seems like that's going to be a big problem for teams like Arsenal um, that have a lot of dead weight that want to get that they want to get rid of. That there just isn't a lot of money going around right now. You know, teams like Chelsea who had a big war chest have money and can go buy you know big big youngsters and good players, but um, there aren't many teams out there who are willing to buy buy talent. So it looks like you know either on free transfers or. Or we're gonna have to, you know, do some budget buys like like this Gabriel signing. Who, I mean, like you said, his ball progression skills are, look really good. He's 23 years old, Brazilian, uh, left-footed center back, which is something we've really been looking for. And um, you know, would probably free someone like Kalasinich out of the team forever, which is we should, which is, I've just. I feel like we should probably talk about like the value of uh, or why teams are looking for left-footed players at that center back spot because. Uh, you know, well, I was going to say was something like, with City and United as, as well. United are rumored to try and hijack that deal for Gabriel, but and Napoli, been- Napoli, who were looking for him as like a Koulibaly replacement, which like that's a good sign. Like if United and Napoli are looking at a player like that, then that makes me think like he is a very good player. Like teams aren't going to be going in for him or looking for him as like their main center back replacement if he's not a very good player. So I'm definitely happy we're picking up a player of that caliber. But the left-footed thing, I think, is important if you're trying to play that possession style because the angle of your passes from a left-footed center back to develop and progress play out wide. I think the way teams are attempting to shut down uh, playing out from the back nowadays, they're, they're looking to try and 
cut off the middle and spread you out to to the wings and use the, the sidelines as sort of like an extra defender so that you have your back to the to the sideline and two players or three players looking to trap you with the with the sideline behind you but if you have a left-footed center back and a right-footed center back in each of those two positions it's a little bit easier to you know open your body up and angle a ball out to that area than it is to have a pass come to you from the right side of the field and on your right foot curve it over to the left wing that's not like an easy skill that center backs i mean or that even midfielders can pull off let alone center backs so uh, I think there definitely is something something of value to having a left-footed player in that position, and that's why you saw uh, City go and spend a good amount of money on Nathan Ake, who's, who's he's very well skilled to play that kind of role in a pinch for them. I don't know about every game, game in and game out, but that's a good stopgap player to have. And uh, Gabriel I certainly, think, pro- I mean, he probably yeah. has the tools to develop well, into that kind of player. I was going to say the thing that Arsenal fans are most excited about is number one, like the ball progression skills of Saliba and Gabriel, both. Um, I know they were playing in France, but they were in the top like ten or twelve center backs in all of Europe in terms of their like pass completion rate, um, their long passing. It's something that we want with players like Nicola Pepe and, and Aubameyang and Lacazette, who all feed off of balls over the top. So I think we've been we haven't really had that. I mean, David Luiz, he's good at it, but I don't think he's nearly as good as he was in his prime, right, at playing those balls over the top. And the other thing is, both of them are really tall. Gabriel is six three, Saliba six four. Um, to have young, tall center backs. It, it, I don't remember the last time Arsenal had players that were 6'3 or 6'4 playing in their team. So um, it's going to be a big, big difference in terms of like the physicality, um, how, you know, how good we are at set pieces. I, I think it's going to be a very big difference to the team. I think you're going to see a pretty different Arsenal side. Also, um, there's, a, there's rumor that we've gone after um, Brentford's uh, set piece coach. Looks like he'll be probably joining the Arsenal coaching staff, and we we signed their their goalkeeper. We find their goalkeeping coach. You're bringing the guy's he, name up, and you're not even you don't even know the name. Come on, man, you got to you got to give him a shout out at oh, least. Hold on, yeah, yeah, Brentford's me, set piece coach. <laughs> oh, okay, actually, we did actually sign him. His name is uh, Andreas Georgensen. Georges Georgensen. Andreas Georgensen. And uh, so, what, he's, what was his, was coaching on that uh, free kick that that Fulham scored? Was he the one coaching uh, Brentford's goalkeeper? No, 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 no. He was. I don't no, think no, he was no. coaching he, the goalkeeper. It was a set piece. Isn't that his we responsibility? Took, we, we took we took Brentford's goalkeeper coach in Inaki Kanas or something like that. Oh, so you and, got uh, now both we the have... goalkeeper coach and the set piece coach on the team that fucked up the big set piece. Their no, we already we took the goalkeeper coach in, uh, in January, <laughs> so uh, that's probably why their goalkeepers were so bad now, and our goalkeepers are so good. Uh, but no, sure I, it I, it's, it's just. It's exciting, Alex. We're we're plugging the holes where we need to plug, and uh, well, you got I'm fifty-five that... of them to plug in the back, the the, the, the you know the back room, you know. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> you keep coming right, back to that. Right. We should keep coming we should, back we should to move that. On to Chelsea Arsenal here. Uh, are a god awful club, and everyone needs uh, to know that. Can't um, disagree. Right. I'm just going to add right. one more thing to that. I, I actually don't think that uh, Saliba and Gabrielle start the season together, just because Saliba is still what, like 19 or 20. I, I think it's more likely uh, you see Gabrielle start because he has that, you know, league league on experience for a couple of years plus Champions League experience. Uh, but then uh, you probably see like David Luiz or Mustafi start next to him at right center back, and until one of them fucks up ine- inevitably, and then Saliba comes in and he has the chance to lock down his place. I agree. Uh, Mustafi's out till November, so yeah, it'll probably be like David Luiz and, and Gabriel as the starting. You know, they, they're Brazilian too, so 
I'm sure that'll be a nice little connection to have. Ah, to yes, start. another one to add to the uh, the the very the Brazilian, religious Brazilian yeah. community in London. We have Martinelli, William, David Din- Luiz, William Gabrielle. and David Luiz's restaurant every every right. other night. <laughs> All the good times will be had. Um, let's move on to another transfer rumor that looks like it's likely to happen and be announced uh, probably by the time you're listening to this podcast. There were rumors of Ben Chilwell's departure uh, from Leicester City saying goodbye to all the coaches and his fellow teammates uh, last week, like last Friday, basically, um, all with the intention of going to Chelsea. And then late this week, uh, you'd heard that he'd already done his medicals at Chelsea. They wanted to check out the injury that kept him out for the end of the season. It, lo- it looks like it's going to uh, keep him out for another two or three weeks, maybe for the start of the season. But it looks like he's going to be a Chelsea player uh, for about fifty-five million, with uh, some rumored add-ons that we haven't heard about yet. But man, I'd rather have Kieran Tierney. Man, we only I, paid I mean, twenty-five. I knew that would be the first words him. out of your mouth. Um, you know, it's it's in the contract for anyone who's an for Arsenal fan. Ben Chilshit. I don't know. But let's no, have the discussion right honestly, now. Ben Chilwell yeah, is one honestly, of the three best left backs in the Premier League, and he is the best. After Kieran Tierney, he is but the yes. best English left back. Kieran Tierney has played. 18 Premier League games. He's sure. younger. You got him for cheaper. That's a better deal. I'm not arguing that. I'm arguing that Chelsea, with the very substantial war chest that we have shown that we have, we went out and got England's left back for the next, you know, at least five years. I think he was probably the best left back option that you could have gotten in Europe. I don't know, like, I don't think Tagliafico or Regulon. I mean, maybe Regulon right. was, was probably a better be deal. It. Regulon may have been a better deal, but I don't know how much more better he is than like a Marcus Alonso or an Emerson, who apparently you guys are going to be selling to try to help finance this deal. But absolutely, I think Ben Chilwell is going to be a great signing. Um, there's been numerous times where you know he's just been flying down that Leicester wing, um, or he shut down you know really good players defensively, and you know he's kind of he's kind of the complete complete package you know he's good on offense good on defense and that's actually kind of a side of his game that i'm a little worried about because from from the time lester started really announcing themselves as like a top four contender early on this season it it seemed like none of their team were putting uh, in a bad performance everyone was playing well and then they came to that stretch of the season right around christmas where they had liverpool and man city back to back it might have been vice versa but it might have been city first and then liverpool and I remember being kind of disappointed in how uh, both those teams looked to attack Chilwell as kind of the weak link, and City especially got a lot of uh, got a lot of productivity out of Riyad Mahrez attacking Ben Chilwell, and uh, I didn't think that was all Chilwell's fault. I thought it was a little bit of a, a coaching or tactical uh, mess up by Rogers to let him be so isolated with a player as good as Mahrez and play, a player. Can as good I stop as you right there? Can I stop you right there? Sure. I feel like when Pereira was playing on the other wing, I thought Chilwell looked so much better. I feel like during the second half he of the season... Been, he, was, he was playing, I'm saying, during those two games around December when Leicester were playing well, but they came Pereira up to that point. Pereira was playing? Okay. Yeah, the whole team was healthy. They were playing well, but they had that test of Leicester, or sorry, Liverpool and Man City, and they lost gotcha. both games. And Chilwell was the player that they were attacking. Now, I think in our Chelsea team, yes, he's. I don't think he's going to be the the player that fixes our defense. That's. I mean, no left back is going to do that by themselves. But I think he's going to lend enough in the attack, along with plenty of the other signings that were rumored to be uh, wrapping up. That you know we score more goals, and you know maybe we concede the same amount of goals as last year, and maybe we're still kind of a mess defensively. But the overall improvement offensively improves the team all around, and then we can kind of look to assess 
what the issues are with this new sort of defense in place. Because now we have left and right back for our club team wrapped up for the next five to 10 years. Chilwell's 23, Reese James is 20, and he's going to be a huge player at right back. No one, no one is doubting that. So I'm over the moon with uh, both of them. And now there's only a, a couple more spots to uh, get players in to make this a Premier League uh, challenging team, namely at center back and goalkeeper. So we'll see how it goes. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited, though, because I think the initial fees that were rumored from Leicester were like 80 million yeah, for if, Chilwell. If and you I was end up, if like, you end no, up getting, we're not doing that. If, if you end up getting Chilwell, Thiago Silva, Havertz, and a goalkeeper, I mean, this will probably be Chelsea's best transfer window ever. Uh, maybe that transfer window when you guys got like Frank Lampard and like 2004 and all that. No, Lampard maybe that was, was Lampard was 2001. Uh, oh shit! Okay, the 2004 well, one was like Drogba, Carvalho. Okay, Ferreira. maybe that window. Right, yeah. that's the one that like you're probably competing with. That window when you guys got Drogba, all, all, like sure. pretty much your team that won the Champions Czech. League. We got Czech, Drogba, uh, Czech, Carvalho, right. Ferreira. Yeah, all right. in the same summer. So and that Robin. would be like a Robin. Sim- Why did I forget Robin? <laughs> Okay, so that would be like a similar, similar, I think similar to that level of transfer window if you guys get all those players. So there's a lot of rumored goalkeepers for you guys, and I'm pretty sure you guys are going to get someone. So yeah, I mean, great job, Marina. Great job, Chelsea. Are you ready for? Are you ready for a Chilwell? A Chilwell Pulisic left wing, and a ZH Reese James right wing with Timo Werner, Mason Mount, and Kai Havertz through the middle. I'm. Oh, my body is not ready. My fingers are to use us in FIFA, though. It's going to be the best Chelsea FIFA team to play with. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, a lot of exciting rumors. I think now that the season's over, we're going to see a lot of movement this next week. I think there should be a lot of transfers in this next week. So so look look for that. And I'm sure we'll be coming out with a pod talking about all that soon. So, And I'll wait to talk about uh, Thiago Silva to Chelsea. I know there's been a lot of rumors of that the last couple of days. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to wait to see that one actually uh, happen before I... Uh, talk about it like it like it's uh, for sure so it was a great weekend of uh european cup finals i really enjoyed it we all really enjoyed it plenty of uh, transfers to look forward to over the next couple of weeks there's even french league football that kicked off this weekend and will continue uh next week and i'm sure plenty of other european leagues will be coming back um, i think the dutch league has also been back for a week or two now if you guys want to check out those games on espn plus um so uh, we'll be back uh, maybe later this week, maybe next weekend. We haven't really talked about it, but we've got a couple of ideas for, uh, you know, not not like match reviews or match previews or anything like that. Uh, maybe like a, an all-time team draft or something. Uh, we'll look into that and uh, we'll be back later this week. So uh, follow us on social media at JavierRev9 for Javier's Instagram, at, at ASMoss92 for my Instagram and Twitter, and at Andrew Pissarro for Andrew's Instagram and Twitter. And finally, at GhostGoalPod for the podcast's social media account. Until next time, see you.